This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Homestar Radio. My name is Chris Hamley and I'm here to guide you through our review of the latest Palace action. This week we look back at the visit of Liverpool to Sandhurst Park. Palace took the lead from a Luka Milivojevic penalty after the Wilfred Zaha was fouled in the area, but Liverpool hit back with two goals in the second half to take the points. There were missed chances and some moments of controversy. We'll bring you our views, and of course, we'll get your opinions in too. Head to holradio.net forward slash contact to find out how. I'll be back to introduce the panel after this short message. reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia, homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. Hooray, hooray, I'm not ill. I'm definitely not too ill to do this. Hooray, let me introduce my panel. I have Patrick O'Connor. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, Patrick. You're uh, away from my germs in New York. Uh, how are you feeling? Um, okay, but there are plenty of germs in New York, just ask DR. Yeah, true. I think DR brought a lot of them back with him and now has infected most of this country. DR Kerners. Hello. Hello. You're ill as well, aren't you? Yeah, I'm knackered. Yeah, yeah, this is going really well. And uh, and Jack Watson, Jack, you've not been on for a while. You must be fine, right? Yeah, well, a little bit ill. Haven't been on in a while. Like a Crystal Palace striker, I appear every four months or so. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely get into that subject. I'm not <laughs> sure of that. Uh, so it might be a bit of a shorter show than you're used to because I literally feel like giving up right now because I'm I'm absolutely hanging. But we are here to talk about uh, Palace's most recent game, which was the two-one loss to Liverpool. Decent performance overall, you'd probably say. Deserved something out of the game, you may argue, but we didn't get a thing yet again, uh, and lots of reasons for that. And we'll be looking into most of those, including the controversy around whether Mane should have got his marching orders or not. Uh, Anyway, but um, a couple of little things to point you in the way of. The first is, if you haven't been listening to it, do get involved in listening to our two-hour evening show live on Love Sports, a new London digital radio show. You can listen online wherever you are. You can listen If you're in London, you can listen on DAB 
and on 5.58am. Been a lot of fun, got very, very silly this week. Uh, Albert, during the course of proceedings, drew a picture of me uh, insulting myself in quite an unpleasant way and then held it up while I was trying to talk. That was good. Um, but yeah, lots of lots of fun and games on there, and we're uh, starting to build up a little bit of a rapport with Aaron, who, who presents it with us. So it's um, yeah, good fun, and it's a little bit different to this show. Um, a lot of people are enjoying the fact that we're not using Skype or Google Hangouts, so everyone sounds like they should, which is also good. But um, also do, of course, um, make sure that you're engaged with the preview show as well. Terence records that midweek, midweek, often on a Thursday as well, and that's uh, you get that podcast only to make sure you're subscribed in all the usual. Subscribed is that a word? Subscribed in all the usual areas. Definitely not struggling. Uh, last thing to point you in the way of, if you haven't done so already, if you pop to the official Palace site and check out the ground redevelopment plans article, uh, there's a link to, for you, a link allowing you to register your support uh, for the proposals. And uh, it's well worth doing that. I think there's been about six, six and a half thousand Palace fans approve of it and a handful of Millwall fans disapprove of it. So it'd be good if you could, just where, wherever you live, wherever part of the globe, you can still register your um, your positive support of that, um, for that redevelopment. So make sure you do that. So just check out the official site. You'll find the article on there. Right, gents. Uh, I nearly lost the will to live during that bit. So let's let's get moving. <laughs> Some of you can start speaking. Oh, God. Uh, as ever, let's start with the um, lineup. And Patrick, again, a couple of uh, injuries during the course of the week. And in particular, I felt this week the fact that uh, Tompkins was out and uh, Martin Kelly came into the centre-back partnership. I think that disrupted uh, the game and and both Sacco and Kelly to some degree struggling a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I wrote down some thoughts when I was watching the match and my first pre-game thought was Kelly at centre-back proved me wrong. And unfortunately, I'm not sure that he did. Um, Don't have a problem with the player. When he, when he does come in. I think when he plays for a little bit too much time, he doesn't really play as well. And I just thought that he and Sacco didn't play as well um, as obviously Sacco and Tompkins. We've seen how great that combination is of Sacco and Tompkins and, and that in turn helps a goalkeeper. And I just thought yesterday we were kind of back to kind of just being a little bit too nervous in the back. So that was a little disappointing. Um, it was good to see Zaha back in there. Um, I put in there, thank goodness, goodness he was back. Uh, and the bench again just lacked attacking options, which obviously proved to be about uh, a downfall towards the end of the match. But again, Tomkins aside, probably the best side line we can probably put out there was yesterday. So it was I was again a little nervous at the beginning, but again, there's not much you can do when you have so many injuries. Yeah, abs- absolutely right. And Dr. You know, we talked last time about about how great Tomkins have been. Um, but it's interesting to see that if you're going to go, when you look back at the goals, which we will do in a little bit, it's interesting to see that the, the player who actually struggled the most was, was Mamadou Sacco. Yeah, but I think for the first goal, Martin Kelly did have a uh, part as well. I thought he was too far apart, but we'll talk about the goals later. Tompkins, before the game even started, it was it was a, definitely a massive miss. Uh, no matter how good Kelly plays, you just can't replace Tompkins that easily in defence. Um, I saw it before coming before the game, but I don't think Kelly had too bad of a game, or he didn't have a great game. But I was—I don't think he was really that bad. He just had a decent game, and yeah, Sacco. Um, maybe for the first goal, you might argue it was his fault, but I think it was Kelly's fault. Do you really? We will talk about why in just a moment. And finally, Jack on the lineups. Um, Ruben Loftus Cheek making the bench now. Uh, 
you'd have heard Roy talking in a glowing terms about him and how important it is to have him back and how he's been reminded of what a good option he is. But uh, obviously, he did come on briefly at the end, and we don't we you know, don't judge him harshly on that. But you know, the, it's the age old question: is it where does he fit into this team? Yeah, you're right, Roy. Really, really likes Loftus Cheek. Um, yeah, well, Lucas, you can't drop him in. You know, if you're if you've got a fit Loftus Cheek, it's probably MacArthur or Kabai who may have to move aside, or, or even Townsend or something. I don't know. It's, it's a difficult one, but I think we won't see Loftus Cheek fit maybe for another couple of weeks. When he came on at the end, he didn't look sharp at all. Didn't look physically sharp. Um, his decision making was a bit off and he just seems like he's got a couple of weeks before he can be really match fit and I don't think we'll see him starting anytime soon nah, it's, it's a fair point you raise it you know he's still got a while to go until he's you know fully match fit um, I, you know obviously what's interesting to me is to see whether because you know when he got injured Roy was playing him on the, the sort of left of a four um, you know and Zaha was playing up top and you know, I suppose with Schlupp being out and you know, MacArthur's currently fulfilling that role, but playing more centrally. It's in, it's interesting. It kind of gives Roy back the option back of going back to the formation that we were getting frustrated with because Zaha wasn't on the ball wide enough. So, um, but it was effective. Um, and going into these last, you know, these last six games, it'd be very interesting to see the uh, the part he plays. Um, so yeah, that's that's really all I wanted to talk about for the lineups. Tactics wise, you know, there's not too much to pick apart there. It was a good system to play against Liverpool. Uh, it required a bit more discipline from Patrick Van Arnholt at left back, who had to stay with Salah a bit more and get forward a bit less. Um, but it was interesting to see when Palace needed to attack, they were able to attack without leaving themselves too open. And when Palace needed to defend, we were able to defend very well. So a lot of credit to the to the system and the way it worked. And obviously a really early game plan, Patrick, was to try and get Wilf in between uh, Alexander-Arnold and I think it was Matip on that side. Uh, just to play a ball over for him to use his pace and run onto, and it really paid dividends straight away. Yeah, it was an excellent tactic, and um, it's interesting because I, I, I noted that we played five across the the middle a lot the first five or ten minutes, and we were trying to neutralise obviously Alexander Arnold uh, getting down, and as the match wore on, Zaha kind of felt the need to get forward more, so it wasn't as disciplined um, coming back. People criticised him for it, but. The point was, as you just said, because he had to play that way. Because the only way we could we could help Benteke, who was very isolated for most of the match, was to get Wilf, uh, you know, kind of getting in between those two defenders. So I thought, actually, again, that system we played yesterday um, really is the best for a team like Liverpool. Because if you don't play like that, you're not going to be creating any chances at all. So Wilf was really our, our best outlet yesterday, even though, to me, he looks like he's hurt, by the way. Yeah, he's still not right, is he? As they, as they said, he's nursing that knee. And... Um... I don't know, part of me feels I'd, I'd rather he not played against Liverpool um, and just, you know, give him that extra extra week's rest. Yeah, so. I agree. But there we go. That's, um, you know, we, we know how much we struggle without him. And, you know, there was a chance there to get something from that game. And again, it's silly to say it, you know, because we've said it about so many matches this season, but we really should have got something there. And uh, then it looks a great decision, doesn't it? So, um Difficult to take, and that early chance, Jack. It was obviously Wilfred Zaha in on the left, got into the penalty area. You know, he does touch his hand as he runs through, but a good save from the keeper. So it looked like that would have been given, and um, a, you know, a good early start from the from the game because Palace, you know, were on the front foot at the, at the, at the very beginning. Yeah, no, I, I really like that chance. Well, first of all, it was a great ball from Kabai to pick him out, and um, running off Alexander Arnold. Like you say, he touched it down really well, and. What I was particularly impressed with that chance was his quick, his quick thinking. Usually he touches it down, 
few step overs, few ball rolls, move it on. But this was a bit more direct from him, and it and it kind of set the tone for the game. And obviously, you know, Palace got their their penalty through a similar kind of similarly worked chance was Wilf running off Alexander Arnold. But um, you know, I see a lot of people saying Wilf had you know a great game against Trent at you know Liverpool's right backer. I'm with you on that. I would almost rather he wouldn't have started and he'd be a bit fresh for some of the other games because he definitely, definitely wasn't at his best on Saturday. No, not at all. And, you know, it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? When you're the, you, know, you can imagine Roy's choice there. It's, you know, Wilf, Wilf is happy and says he's fit to play, but you can clearly see that he's, he's nowhere near 100%. But I suppose they've just got to trust it's the medical the medical team have got to give the right advice and, and, and fingers crossed we go into next week and he's uh, perfectly all right to play against Bournemouth, isn't it? So, you know, fingers crossed there. Uh, but you mentioned, obviously, we got a very similar result, um, uh, a very similar move got us the penalty. And, uh, our, you know, DR, that was from, it was a little, well, originally it was a Liverpool corner actually putting us under quite a bit of pressure. We struggled with Liverpool set plays all game. But uh, I think it was the resulting goal kick. Long ball up to the much maligned Christian Benteke. Great flick on uh, into Zaha. He was just taking that exact same space again in between you know, the goal side of the fullback, if you like. Ran through, keepers clattered him. Absolutely zero doubt on the penalty, isn't it? Yeah, it was definitely a penalty. But yeah, great ball from Benteke. I, he didn't have the greatest games. He missed uh, two very good chances in the second half. But in the first half, that ball led to a penalty so it was nice to see from him and yeah it was definitely a penalty no debate I think even the Liverpool goalkeeper knew Liverpool players knew and it was great play from Wilf as if he didn't release it um, if he released a little bit late then maybe the goalkeeper could have actually got something but the fact that he released it right at that time the goalkeeper clattered him and it was no doubt a penalty yeah, so get make sure making sure we got the the flick early enough, but not too early, not too late. You're absolutely right. It's a it's a key moment there. And Patrick, there was a lot of uh, Palace players, you know, calling for the sending off there. Now it's my understanding, you might be able to correct me here, that if you give a penalty, you you don't. It's not going to ever be a straight red because they don't have that like the double jeopardy, I suppose they'd call it. That's yeah, they, they, they've, ch- they've changed the rules. Similar to that rule now, if you noticed yesterday, if the player's offside, you can have the offside come in taken in, in the other uh, team's half. They modified a few rules. So, yeah, it's like double jeopardy. And I used to always hate that, by the way. I used to hate, you know, the red card plus the penalty. To me, it was, you can't punch the teams twice. So that's the reason why. But um, <sighs> definitely a foul, definitely yellow. And um, as he's done in the past, Luca just took a really good penalty kick. I mean, I got a little nervous of him after the Bournemouth match. He seemed to get a little passive on his penalty kicks as far as where he put them. But since then, he's really been hitting them really well. And I was very happy to see him put that ball away and give us that early 1-0 lead. Yeah, it's only obviously the, the Man City one that really sticks in there everywhere. Yeah. You just think, oh, yeah. why didn't you do what you always do? Just smash it. <laughs> exactly. That's, like, that's uh, you know, on fine margins and all that. But yeah, great to see Luca tuck that away. Comfortably the top scorer in the team at the moment. And obviously we'll be talking more about that in, a, in just a little while. But, uh, you know, I, th- I think at that stage, Palace probably... You know, we, we were we were matching Liverpool. It was, you know, there was no real dominance of the game from Liverpool at that stage. But pretty much as soon as, as soon as we go a goal ahead, I think we probably did sit back and, and try to protect that lead. And Jack, we have the real first moment of controversy in the game where you know, I think you know balls played up to Mane on the, in the penalty area. MacArthur sort of does slide in and absolutely does clip him with his trailing leg. But there's a terrible, terrible delay where 
you can almost watch Mane's brain compute it, can't you? Where it's something happened, leg got hit, must fall over now, fall over, and it's it's a. I've seen you know, seen people playing well, including Grant Sooner. It was a clear because there was contact. Jack. Absolutely not. And, there you go. Sorry. Yeah, and if there is um, you know, contact, he can still be given as a dive. You know, he sees he sees MacArthur go and make that touch. And you're right, Mane. He kind of does think, I think I've been touched. Yet. I can get a penalty. And I think it's it's that that the referee's taking a huge issue with because I think the referee initially played on. Um, yeah, he did yeah. for a couple of seconds, and then he's kind of thought about it. He's been like, "Hang on, he's tried to fool me here." He's, he's kind of gone back and got him. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, a good call. Um, definitely, definitely a dive. Just because there's contact doesn't mean it's not simulation. Marnie's still very clearly tried to fool the referee, and you know that was two good decisions from the referee in the first half, which didn't quite carry on after the break, which we'll come on to. But no, um, yeah, that was good. No, you're you're absolutely right. It's a really good observation you made that he, you know initially he starts running off to to play on, and it's you know the the, the sort of st- the, the scale of the reaction from the fans beyond the goal as well as the other players who were just absolutely screaming at Mane. Um, it it was it was stupid, you know. It's one of those ones that's absolutely laughable when you see it, and it looks particularly bad at, in, in slow motion. But you know, I feared the worst when it happened. Uh, how about you, dear? Um, yeah, I did. Well. To, let me not lie. Where I was sitting in Arthur, it was the angle and uh, where exactly it was. It was a bit too far for me to say. But then I looked at the referee and yes, just like Jack did say, he did wait a couple of seconds. And I think hats off to the linesman. I, I feel like he talked to the linesman. But yes, it was a cheat. It was a dive. What I want to get into is, is he going to get banned for it? Is he going to get a ban? I understand that if the referee doesn't catch him, they get, I think, too much ban. But what if the referee does catch him? Because I haven't, heard about anything too much ban coming up for Marnie and I don't get the difference it when he was booked so that's the punishment DR yeah but that's it's I don't it's just so the referee yes the referee did catch him the referee did do a good job but then let's say the referee didn't catch him his punishment will be harsher I, I don't get I don't it's the same thing so why is he not getting the same punishment you're still cheating you mean, a, you mean a, a two match ban yeah, too much ban. Why is yeah, he not getting it? Again, because the, the way I understand that, and Jack and Chris can correct me, is that since the referee saw it, called the dive and simulation and gave him the yellow card, that's a punishment. You can't you can't do any more harsh. You're not going to give him a red card for simulation. Yeah. So during a match, the most you can give him is a yellow card. In retrospect, again, he's not seen. They look at it. He's found guilty. That's why, the, the, the to my sense, that's why the, the ban is harsher because he tried to get away with something and he actually did. Yeah, that, that, that's essentially it. I do understand why Dio's saying what he's saying because it and is I a bit like, too, way, yeah. it's a bit like, you know, well, I, I, you know, if, if, I, if I pretend I don't see you later on, you can have a too much ban. <laughs> However, because I've seen you, the most I can do, right. you know, is your yellow card. It, it does seem a little bit silly, but obviously it is, it's the idea is, is that they're saying to the players, you cannot get away with this, even if you've managed yes. to fool someone in, in at full speed during the course of a game. Exactly. There are cameras that will catch you and there are people that will review that footage. And yes, as Patrick says, your punishment will be harsher because you actually did fool someone. And um, there you go. That, that's how they're trying to stamp it out. Not working though, is it? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> not, really, yeah. Mm, yeah. not for us anyway. No, no exactly. So um, yeah, so obviously that's the first yellow card for for Mane there, which clearly comes up later. And he, he, he was well and truly in the action because just before half time, there's a, a corner again. We're very very poor from the corner defending. 
just just struggling to keep with players. And you're not talking about giants. You're not talking about smaller players being caught with smaller players or anything like that. It's just movement. It seems to be catching us out. The Palace defence, pretty static, you know, keeping to zones, the Liverpool players. And sort of, obviously, you know, the coaching staff have done their homework and you've got all sorts of people finding space in there. And Firmino, one of them, loops up a header. Mane, fortunately, was coming back from an offside position before he back-headers it in. Uh, you know, the keeper's nowhere near it when it happens. It's, it was all very frustrating, very very much a typical Palace goal to concede, but um, but luckily for us, offside. And we actually get in at half-time 1-0 and a chance to sort of, you know, talk about the good things that we've done and repair the sort of the sort of holes in the defence and, and maybe take it forward. And you think you've got, if you come out, you know, after going being 1-0 up and getting away with a, a couple of bits here and there, you're thinking... Just keep it tight. Keep it tight for ten minutes, aren't you? That's a, that's the typical coaching thing, Patrick. Right? You keep it tight, then you when you you know you're going to be under pressure. Their their manager's going to get in, going to get into them. Just keep your shape, keep the system. Don't do anything stupid, right? Absolutely. Right, um, so- I, I have a question under going back to the to the corner kicks, Chris. You know, I know we've had a lot of managers in the Premier League, obviously, but there was a point. I guess from Pulis, some we were very, very good at defending corner kicks, and even translate even to Pardew for a while. And now we are really awful. I don't know how you guys feel, but every corner kick gives me palpitations. It really does. Every single one. I swear we're going to get scored on. And what you think it is? When you think about it, we've got the core of the same types of players, if not the same exact players, the same. You know, some, I mean, the teams change obviously in five, four or five years. But what do you think the issue is with us on corner kick? Because it's really, really, it's really bad right now. It's a, such a tough one to answer, Patrick, uh, and I'll give the other guys an opportunity to suggest what they think. But f- for me, I think there's been a bit of confusion over. I think I think the Pardew reign didn't help, okay, because he took over a team that was an expert in set pieces at both ends. And, right. You know, took a lot of credit for that, didn't he? If you think about those early <laughs> games, was going on yes. about how great they were, how, how clever we were at set pieces, and obviously Keith Millen was uh, was the mainstay of all of that. Work. Yeah, he's not here anymore. Too, know, right? and, and Keith, yeah, Keith went. You know, uh, in that period, and you just think, okay, well, that's one. That's got to be one factor. You know, that's that was that was his speciality, if you like. Uh, and I would say the other factor is we we did change from a from a sort of man to man marking to system zonal, right? to, to, to zonal. Yeah, and now we're kind of caught between the two. You got a couple of people picking up specific men, and then you have got the rest of people zonal. And I actually think that mix is the best is the best way of defending the Premier League. But I think you've got to get the mix right. And I think we're way too too heavy on the zonal aspect. Right. For the players we've I think, got. I think I think of the Tony Pulis team as the best team from set pieces, naturally. Yep. And I think that's because defending and attacking, every single game in the box would be um, Scott Dan. Um, who's your centre-back? Scott Dan. Delaney, probably. That was it. Scott Dan, you'd have Scott Dan, Delaney, Yedinak, uh, Shamak, and Cameron Jerome. Those five right. would usually be in the box defending or attacking, and then Joe Ledley's got high on him as well. So I think they were well drilled on how to defend and how to attack. But at the moment, you know, the consistency in the team is is ridiculous. You know, you don't know how late Tompkins was ruled out, so how soon did Kelly know he was starting? You know, that changes perhaps a few things from set pieces as well. The midfield is changing all the time as well. So I don't think I don't think that's helped an awful lot this season. Okay. 
fair, that's, fair. A, that's a really good point, Jackie. Yeah. Obviously, you having the lack of consistency there as well. Anything to add to this, DR, or are you just sort of slowly drifting off to sleep because you're ill? <laughs> no, <laughs> I think the main problem is um, Keith Millen. I think it's more to do with management rather than the players. I think we've got the players there to defend corners. However, we haven't got the man anymore to tell the players in the training ground week in, week out how to actually defend them. So I think it's more down to Keith Millen because as soon as Keith did leave, that's when he started going downhill. And I don't think it was a coincidence. Well, there we go. Stealing my point as always. Can't help yourself. I've known that before. I'll put it in the chat. (laughs) (laughs) Don't try that. That's fine. You carry on with your lies. Makes you feel better. It's fine. Don't worry about it, mate. So we get, honestly, four minutes into that second half and we you know, I'll describe how I saw the opening goal. And I'll go to you, DR, first, because you want to bring Kelly into this, and I haven't written his name, so you can help me out with that. So uh, it's, a, it's a long ball forward. So Sacco is the option to head this ball, right? Most people would head this ball, but Sacco is Sacco. Takes, tries to take it down on his chest, and uh, Mane nips in, steals it, knocks the ball back to Salah. And at that time, PVA and Sacco both have been drawn to Mane, so at least one of those should really have followed Salah instead. You don't need two players to go after one. Uh, but ultimately we could still deal with it at that stage the ball goes looping all the way over to the other side and uh, it's actually James Milner who manages to get Bissaka to turn his back on the cross cuts back inside then puts it in whips a ball in and at that point San, uh, Mane has been able to walk past PVA and then across the front of Sacco I'm talking walking pace and then darts in at the near post to tap it in with Sacco flailing Uh so, a couple of people I wanted to discuss there, but Dr. First of all, you mentioned Kelly in that. Um, before talking about before going to Kelly, actually going to Wambisika. In the first half, what we did do is Andros and Wilf tracked back, so Wambisika didn't get outnumbered. And there, you could see Andros is nowhere near um, Wambisika, so Wambisika got outnumbered. I know Kabai came to help, but if Andros was there initially, I don't think they would have easily put down the ball and pass it to James Milner. However, if once they do cross the ball, then if you look at Martin Kelly's position, he's a bit too far away from Sacco. If he if he drifted a little bit more closer to Sacco, then maybe he could have intercepted a ball or, or intercepted a ball from James Milner and also blocked Marnie's shot. Not blocked it, but intercepted. I think the interception part, I think if he was a bit closer to Sacco, I thought he was a bit too far apart. He would have intercepted a ball. Uh, it's, it's you know I, I don't necessarily disagree. I you know, I just think just think it's kind of irrelevant when if, if everyone else had done their job. That's that's just how I feel. I'm just kind of want to pick you up on you said you're saying Basika again. Do you remember what happened? Basaka. Basaka. Oh, not again, not again, Chris. You say Basaka. <laughs> I say Basika. Basaka. Basaka. Anyway, that's that's we're gonna keep doing that song until you learn. <laughs> oh dear. Sorry, I I yeah. I've taken the wind out of my own sails with that ridiculousness. Jack, say some words about the thing we were just talking about. Well yeah, well Pasaka also I got a bit of stick for this. Pasaka also turns his back when Builder sort of you know, does a sort of fake cross and that gives him the, the kind of half a yard to, you know, deliver that ball into the box. It's a catalogue of defensive errors and it's just frustrating just so soon after the, the half because, you know, you're right, let's keep it tight. And you got Sacco, you know, messing about instead of clearing it. And then you got Sacco turning his back and then you got no one in the middle particularly interested in marking. It was just a pretty annoying way to concede, I thought. Yeah, exactly that. It was very, very 
week, once you've done all that hard work and getting yourself, it's kind of the point I was getting to really, you've done all that hard work, you're getting a half-time 1-0, you're supposed to be focused from the off, you know they're going to come at you, but to, to literally give them the goal, that's extremely frustrating. And of course, Patrick, the most annoying thing, exactly as, as Jack's been brought up, is having having it, you know, Bissaka will be absolutely beside himself being put on his ass by James Milner. That's James Milner, that is. Yeah, uh, I, I'm lost for words. As far as that's <laughs> what I will say is that you know he is he's a, he's young, he's a kid, he's played against some, all the top sides oh. now. He's going to get better. So you know, you and I, Chris, have made comments about Ward cutting that crosses. I'm watching Basaki yesterday. He still does a great job of doing that. Yeah. And I think what he probably tried to do, obviously, was again cut out the cross. But again, players like Mane and Salah. But in this case, um, Milner, right? They they chop you, and you know it's that chop that gets you. But again, I can't get on him too much because he's you know he's 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 growing. But again, you're right. It's frustrating when it's someone like Milner that does it to you instead of somebody else. You know, yeah, I know. I was, I was, to be fair, there was, I was only half serious. And what yeah, I, I would know, point, I what I would point out, obviously, whatever you think about James Milner as a footballer, he's got an awful lot of experience. <laughs> Absolutely, um, doesn't he? That is that is one of the things that you know Aaron Wan-Bissaka doesn't have. And again. What what was really great from Bissaka was that he responded so positively. You know, yeah. at no point did his head drop. You know, and he got involved up the other end of the pitch really well later on in the game. It was still a decent performance for me. You know, he was caught out a couple of times, but he's going to get caught out a couple of times. <laughs> Absolutely, it's just what yeah. it is. But yeah. you know, you have to let him do that to, for him to become the player that he's going to become if we if we keep giving him these opportunities. So, you know, I'll, I'll take I'll take the loss against Liverpool if we if we're allowed to keep developing him. I really will. Um, so, I mean, look, it's, it's 1-1. You're sort of fearing the worst at that point because we'd really handed the initiative to them. But, the, you know, this team, it's not like that. You know, we, we've had a difficult season, but they really do fight. And straight away, we're actually on the front foot. And it's, uh, you know, there's not a great, it's not like a great move from Palace. It's actually a deflected clearance that lands, uh, sort of hits Luca in the back. And lands on Townsend's head, and he very, very quickly heads it into Christian Banteke, and it's a glaring miss. You know the run; he's he's so aware. He's made the right, exactly the right run at the right time. The finish, you know, it's not just a bad finish; it's it's an awful finish. It's a, you know, it's a Calvin Andrew finish. It's it's terrible. It really is terrible. And we won't talk about it immediately because moments later. Townsend puts him in again. You know, this time it's a difficult, it's a more difficult chance. It's slightly behind him, the ball. He sort of leans back. It's a better strike, but it's still over. And when you're talking about a £30 million forward, you're talking about, you're talking about a player who should be putting them away, like exactly like he did last season. Okay, exactly like he did last season. He should be putting those chances away. And I was asked about it. Obviously, there have been loads of comments on Twitter because he really is the whipping boy at the moment. Uh, and I was asked about it because, you know, having defended Benteke in the past, you know, I, I made this point. It's, I can't have a debate about it when he's missing those chances. There's nothing I can say. I can't put a, a review overall performance like Roy tried to do, for example. There's no point me trying to do that when he's missing chances like that because it's an easy get out for anyone I'm talking to. Anyone who has a different opinion than me is just go, well, you know, look at the Liverpool game. He's missed two chances that anyone would put away. And you just think, oh, what could I say to that? You're right. You're right. He's completely devoid of confidence. He scored two goals all, goals all season. He's effectively, in terms of a goal scorer, currently, he's useless for us. Absolutely right. What can I say? 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So uh, that's my view on it. Patrick, what's yours? And Chris, like you, I've been all over Twitter, and, and I'm not going to defend it because you can't defend it indefensible because he's had a really, really bad season. His misses are awful. And have he scores one or two, we probably go on to win. But the thing I'm going to think about and go back to is that he's so breath of confidence. And that's what Roy tried to say yesterday. I go back to, again, the penalty that he missed. To me, that changed his entire season. It really did. It, to me, once he missed that penalty kick, his confidence was gone. It was totally gone. Yes, he scored the week the next week against Leicester, but I'm talking about a, a goal scorer. I'm going to give an example today. For instance, against uh, today the uh, uh, Arsenal game, Arsenal's playing uh, Stoke. Third, third, the second penalty, uh, Bamian gives it to Lacazette to, to score. Lacazette scores it. Why? He you know Lacazette's just come off of injuries, lacking confidence. He gives him a goal, an easy goal to score. It changes the mindset. You, we will play football at an obviously different level, but you need to be confident as a as a player, whether you're a goalkeeper, midfielder, defender, especially a striker. If you're a striker, you think too much, you're going to be very ineffective. You've got to play naturally and score. And he thinks every time he's in the box, do I bring it down, do I shoot? He looks so yeah. bad. I'm not defending him. I'm not going to kill him because I don't need to. Everybody else is doing it. But it's you can obviously see this is a man who has no confidence. We have... No, um, no alternative. Soloff is hurt. To me, you can't play that uh, Sahar and Towns that we did earlier. You can't play uh, Loftus Cheek. He's our only striker. So what Roy did yesterday is the only thing he could do. Defend the only play he has to play up. Then hope he gets better. But he is totally lost. I've never seen a player who, for me, was very good last year be so bad the next year. Yeah, no, it's, it's you know it's, it's chalk and cheese when you look at the, the two seasons. Jack, your views on Ben Teke at the moment. Uh, my views are, it's a shame that Alex Soloff wasn't fit. Um, I think if you look at our, you know, Luca is our top goal scorer. Benteke has got as many goals as Tom Kinton, Van Arnholt. And it's, yes, he tries, but it's just not good enough. And then you see those two chances that he misses. The first one you're thinking, well, this has to go in. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was, you know, getting ready to start writing about his goal. Uh, you know, you think anyone in the team would score that, but he just doesn't. And then the, so quickly again, and just doesn't score again. And you've got you've got all these people kind of thinking, well, what, you know, what are you in the team to do? You're in, you are in the team to score, especially if you're the only striker there. And you know, he's he's just not scoring. It's just huge. It's so frustrating because we 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 want him to do well, obviously. And yeah. he's he's so devoured of confidence, and it's it's almost. Yeah painful to watch him at the moment because he just he just can't he cannot score he just can't do it at the moment that's exactly it it is painful to watch and when you miss watch him miss those two chances and you can hear the crowd and you can just see his face 
And I, you know, he did an interview with Premier League Productions before before the game, and he was talking about the fact that he's, you know, he's, he feels that his all round game's coming on. But like I said, you can't. There's no point talking about that while you're missing chances like that, because no one, no one cares. No one's going to listen. And go, yeah, actually, you know, Roy's absolutely spot on. He's right. He had a really good game. He, you know, it's particularly first half. The flick ons were superb. He led the line brilliantly. He never gave a moment's rest to Van Dijk, and and you know, and came deep to get the ball and ran when he needed to run, run and all this sort of stuff, but totally irrelevant. No one is going to care one little bit. And, you know, I can tell you by looking at some of the tweets, people don't care. They're not interested in his overall performance. They're interested in the fact he missed two easy chances. DR. Well, the, 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 sorry, oh, DR, jump in. Sorry. <laughs> the, um, the, the, what you were saying there, the players do like playing with him. Um, I spoke to MacArthur after the game. There's some quotes online later this evening on the quote and advertiser. And he was sort of explain that the players do like playing with him. Like the players find lots of positives to to his game. They like his hold up play. They they do enjoy playing with him. But of course, you know, from the fans and, and for Roy, we just need those goals. Yeah, absolutely. Dia. I've backed Benteke a lot recently. I've always, you know, I've said he's low on confidence. Once he gets his confidence back, he'll start banging in goals. But I'm slowly reaching that stage where I think it'll be better off to sell him in the summer if we get a good offer than keep him. Because just like Wayne Hennessy, I don't want to risk it. I don't want to go through another painful season where we have a striker that does not that doesn't score enough goals for us to actually challenge the top half of the table. If you bag if you bagged in eight goals this season, then fair enough. You know, it's not all on him. But he's missed so many. I think he's missed the most chances out of any other striker in the Premier League this season. So it's coming to that stage where if we do get a good offer, then just get rid of him and bring someone else. Well, I mean, it's going to be a subject. We've talked about it all season. We will all come back to it in the remaining shows, I'm sure. Just to give you a flavour of what's coming over Twitter, Alistair Watkins was referring, was asked, it was referring, actually responding to the comment about the um, whether Mane should have been sent off. And he said, Glenn Murray tucks away the two bid ticket misses and it doesn't matter. Let it go with Glenn Murray, for God's sake. He missed a penalty in a sit of a Brighton yesterday. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. But let's not even worry about that part, right, Chris? You know, that's... that's the... I mean, <laughs> I really, mean, seriously. Come you know, on. It's, it's, it doesn't... Let's not talk about Glenn Murray. Let's talk about any striker <laughs> playing with confidence should tuck those two away. It doesn't really matter who they are. Exactly. Um, you know, let's not still go on about whether we were right or wrong to sell Glenn Murray three years ago when he wanted to leave. God's <laughs> sake. Jesus. But um, there was a, oh, there was a brilliant tweet in that made me laugh so much, even though, strictly speaking... I shouldn't. <laughs> and it was uh, <laughs> it's from CPFC Central. He's he, Central. He sent a. Uh, it's like a Mister Man book, and it's Benteke and it's Mister Sitter. Yeah, that's great. I've seen that. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Thank you for that. One. that really, really that made is, me laugh. I needed good. a laugh after that. <laughs> he gave me that. Very good. Um, you know, Mister Cadbury's parrot is going in touch and says referee had a bad as bad a second half as Benteke. Um, and this he continues to be a liability. PVA, very good. Um, Benteke debate rumbles on. I'm not even sure it's becoming a debate anymore. I think we're all kind of on the same page. I just think the difference is some people think he's rubbish and some people think he's got zero confidence in his playing rubbish, and there is a difference. Um, but there we go. <laughs> oh, there was another one that made me laugh as well. Carl Mortimer got in touch and said, Big Ben needs repairing, which is good. <laughs> good joke. <laughs> but then I... Um, uh, House Chesh got in touch directly afterwards in response and said you spelt shooting wrong, which made me laugh as well. So uh, very, very, very good. Um, but yeah, there was absolute an absolute ton coming in on that as well. Um, 
but like I say, we, we're, the Benteke debate is becoming less of a debate and it's more of a case of, you know, when, when you bring up DR, should he be in next year? You know, as much as I, I think he's a great player, potentially still, um, I think he's got to get away from Palace. I think it's broken here. Yep. And, I, and I don't I don't see how you come back from that, really. <laughs> you, see, you haven't seen too many players turn it around. Maybe Shefki Kucci? No, silence. That was silence. <laughs> yeah, not going to say about that one. Uh, yeah, that okay. one let that one go. Ooh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so, you know, we missed those couple of chances, but we were in the ascendancy. You know, there was another one a little bit later on. And this is this is where we get into controversy town again. Uh, you know, Zaha plays across a little bit too deep and it's sort of bouncing around and a, you can see Mane's sort of got the ball, but Townsend's about to win it back. Um, you know, Mane falls to his feet when no one's made contact. Referee's clearly not giving the decision. Townsend and Kabai right there, ready to take the ball on a really dangerous situation, right outside the Liverpool, Liverpool penny area. He reach back, reaches back and picks up the ball. You know, you just, you know, when you see it happen, you're like, oh, well, fair enough, you know. He's in trouble here. You can see the, re- you know, the referees running over to him, uh, you know, and you, I don't know about you guys. I felt with the way the referee was running over, he was all ready to give the card until he saw that it would result in a red card. Um, but maybe I'm just seeing what I kind of want to see or felt what I should see. Um, I, there's not been too much argument that I've seen other than a Liverpool fan got in touch with me and, and copied in uh, Terence's account, you know, the red and blue army.co.uk account. And said, "I'm glad you've been both. You've both been proved wrong by a poll. So somewhere there's been some sort of a poll, either on TV or the internet. Which if you don't, if you've ever seen a poll that involves a Liverpool player or a Liverpool goal or a Liverpool anything, loads of Liverpool fans ring in and make sure their one wins. Always, always. That doesn't, that doesn't mean it's true, you moron. That just means there's more Liverpool fans willing to waste their money to have their opinion." become what, fact you, you, I just I couldn't even reply to him usually I'll even manage a sarcastic reply or I'll just you know apologize for his you know lack of intelligence or something just something to to niggle back at him but I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to do it the fact that he decides that a, a, he said he said the poll has proven you wrong it's proven us wrong we're wrong we're wrong Patrick that was not a yellow card offense because Liverpool fans say it wasn't all right, and so what are we going to talk about next? No idea, mate. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just joking. <laughs> Should we set up a Twitter a poll for uh, for Liverpool fans to tell us what to talk about next on this show? Just oh, otherwise, <laughs> an, an amazing decision by Swarbrick, seriously. And all I can say is that had that been reversed and that was Kabai making a handball, we're playing with we're playing with ten men the rest of the game, and it will beat, beat beat us like five six one. It has to be yellow card. It has to be. He didn't accidentally put his hand out, which you could say, oh, maybe you could see him grab the ball and pick it like you're going to run away for, yeah. for, you know, for your, a rugby score. It's ridiculous. And I don't understand why it's a bit wise. Actually, I do, because that's why referees in England are horrible and aren't, none of them going to the World Cup, because that decision is indefensible. A lot like Bendeke's lack of scoring is indefensible. It has to be a second yellow card. It has to be. I don't give you that power before for diving. Like DR said, maybe you should have given him two the first time. We wouldn't have been a pitch in the first place. It was a horrible yeah. decision. And it changed up. I mean, it changed the game for us. It really did. It did. It, you know, it ruins everything. It ruins the integrity of the game. What gets me, you've got a lot of people going, well, you know, the referee was bad for all of us all game. It was bad for both. It's like, that's the point. 
exactly. could have given us every other decision and not that decision and still been one of the worst decisions you'll ever see. And most importantly, it's such a terrible decision because of why it happened. You know, you know, you know 100% that if it's a Palace player, it's a red card. You know Absolutely. it is. Every time. It's Every time. Categorically, no, it's not even a debate there. Jack, I might get myself into trouble here, by, or, or am I right? <laughs> um, you are right. I I personally don't like talking about referee decisions because, you know, there's not an awful lot you can do about it. And, you know, there's opinions and stuff. But with this one, I'm sorry, there is no opinion at all. It's fact. He should have been sent off. If Neil Swarbrick is going to give a foul on the edge of the penalty area, two Crystal Palace players are about to advance into the penalty area. If Mane had fouled, say like he, he took out Kabai's legs in the edge of the area, that's a yellow card because he's stopping him from getting into the penalty area and creating a chance. But he's used his hand to stop them with the ball going into the penalty area. And it's like, OK, let's have a free kick. No, we'll have more than a free kick. Why is he not being sent off? I don't get it. And I'm with you. I think, it is, I think it's one of the worst decisions I've seen because... With 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 football and you know and the VAR and stuff like that, all the debate is there's opinion about it. But I don't think anyone with a reasonable sense, you know, of of how football works, can look at that and say Mane shouldn't be given his second yellow card. And um, why I love love to ask why Neil Swanwick why he didn't ask why he didn't give the second yellow card because I just don't understand why he's not done it. I I don't get it, and it's one of the worst decisions I've ever seen. I got Patrick jump in. What I will say, going back to what DR said before, if it's in a penalty boxing, if it's a focus of penalty kick, then I understand why it's not yellow card. Do you know what I mean? We've got a penalty yeah. kick, I get it. But besides that, no excuses. There's none. You know, there's no reason why you don't give a yellow card, second yellow card. For it's it's the fact that two minutes later they get to substitute him that really, exactly. yeah. really oh, hurt. If I could time. if I could have killed Every someone time. at that stage, I think I would have done it. It was just you know, I've seen it. I've seen it in other games before. I can't actually remember off the top of my head who it was. Now it was. Def- I'm sure it was against Man United. We had a, exactly the same situation where they, uh, took, they took someone off. Arsenal, the guy, the guy's not there anymore. Oh no, no, yeah, yeah. Um, midfielder, I forgot his name because he's not there anymore. They did it. C. Uh, yeah. Coquelin. Um, Coquelin, exactly. Yeah, That's what exactly. happened with Coquelin. Uh, yep, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It should have had three, three yellow cards. Exactly. They, they were allowed to substitute him and go on to win the game. Yeah, it's it's that kind of stuff. Uh, they are. I mean, obviously, I suppose the only question left to answer is: Were you surprised? I erupted when that happened because it was one of the worst <laughs> decisions I've seen, and literally everyone in Alpha was going crazy. It's just, it's not rocket science. It's it's one of the simplest things that could happen. If it was a tackle, as Jack said, then fair enough. You might think about it. Was it? You know, was it harsh enough to give another yellow card? But he picked up the ball. What? I, that's the most blatant yellow card you can get. If, if a player is picking up the ball, not even touching it, he picked it up. That's a yellow card. He should have been sent off. And what is more frustrating is that a couple of minutes later, they sub him off. <laughs> and he gets away with it. And it was not it was not rocket science. And it's just one of the things, as Patrick said, that's why no English refs are going to the World Cup because of stupid decisions like that. Well, and it's not only that. As soon as they were allowed to take him off, you knew they were going to go on and win the game. I think actually pain. Lucy said it in our chat. She said, oh, they'll win, they'll win that now. And of course yeah. they did. Yeah. And, you know, okay, you know, we can talk about the goal. Six minutes left, Liverpool break, you know, on the right-hand side, Oxlade-Chamberlain, who, who believe I came came on for Mane, didn't they? You know, he gets a, gets a cross. He goes all the way to the back post where Robertson's completely free. Scuffs his cross, of course, but 
Sacco stretches, misses it. Another mistake from him, unfortunately, but game done. You know, Salah, who we kept him so quiet all game. He was he was he was completely anonymous. Yeah, he still gets to pop up with a goal, which he massively over celebrated as well, which really, really hurts. So I hate you, Salah. Uh there you go. Game done. Two one. You know, we're not gonna get back in it from there. So as I said, I'm very, very ill. I'm running out of uh running out of the ability to speak <laughs> so very very quickly guys uh individual displays that we haven't yet to, yet discussed is there anyone that you gentlemen want to bring up i'll start with you patrick any particular performances you want to pick out um i thought kabai who i've been a critic of before was excellent yesterday uh, um you know he made that he played the ball through that um we almost scored on um i just think that he's very key to to how we play, and I would really hope that he could. If he just if he get, a, he, we're gonna need his goals because we're not getting it from our striker. I'd like if he could add some goals, like it was at Newcastle, it'd be great. But I thought Kabai played well. I know he's got subbed out for a lot of cheek in about a seventh minute, but I thought he actually had a pretty good game yesterday. Now it's a really good shout, and, and a few people actually said that that was their key moment in the game was taking Kabai off because it really good upset the way we were playing. And I, I thought, point. That, yeah, yeah, I definitely saw that. Jack, anyone you want to pick out? Oh. Um, Wait a sec, wait a sec, DR wanted to speak there. Let's check what that was. Yeah, quickly going on uh, Kobay going off for Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I think that really did mess up the balance. Um, Putting on Ruben Loftus-Cheek took out the defensive aspect and they did start to find more gaps in midfield. So, and uh, another thing is, so um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek can play up front. Why not put him on up front for Benteke? I know it might not work, but it's an experiment. He has played there before for England. So put him on for Ben Tekes, try him out there. It'll be something different. Also, read the world. Why didn't we pull him on instead of Kabai? He still has a defensive aspect. And whenever he plays, he plays decent. I don't understand why we never play him. Great shout. Great yeah. shout. I but like we one. can all manage in hindsight, can't we? Absolutely. We're the best managers in hindsight. Exactly. Exactly right. Okay, so Jack, any players you want to pick out in particular? Uh, I thought MacArthur was quite impressive in the middle of the pitch. I think... I feel like this season his his footwork and his like ability on the ball has just come on so fast. Wondering, you know, if he wasn't if he was born in say Barcelona instead of Glasgow, how much he'd be worth because he's a really <laughs> tidy player um, and he's great on the ball. I thought he had another good game and he's probably causing a problem for Roy Hodgson. Like you know, in that midfield, if Loftus Cheek is fit, you know, you know he's made himself a little bit undroppable. So that's going to be an interesting one in the weeks to come. Yeah, definitely. I'm a big fan of MacArthur. I think. You know, he, he's probably had one poor spell. And I honestly, the best days were behind him for for a while. But, you know, I think I think he was carrying an injury at the time. Um, he's just a terrific player, great engine on him, box to box. You know, good passer. And like you say, his touch and his, his movement is uh, is a lot better than he gets credit for. So certainly a good one to pick out there. DR, any players in particular you wanted to pick out? Um, I thought Wam Saka. I think he had a decent game again. Um, he stopped Mane um, getting in behind. Other than that, it was yeah, it was a good performance from majority of the players. Uh, Hennessy, don't want to talk about him much, but he had one or two moments where it was like, "What are you doing? You could have caught the ball." Other than that, I think it was a decent game. Benteke could have done better, but for me, Wan Saka was probably man of the match. Okay, um, so I just want to cover off a bit of contact we've had over the course of the last few hours, uh, both ahead of and during the show, uh, going all the way back a while um, to Phil Roth Eagle Lally, 
Asante man. It's an interesting way of spelling something to do with an eagle. I don't know. Uh, at least, obviously, you asked a question we've answered, which is why is Benteco now so poor in front of goal? What's happened this season? I know his hold-up players sound. He's received good service on two occasions. Missed the opportunities. But it's the bit where he says, do you think he wants to leave now? Um, and, you know, there was obviously rumours of him going to China and what have you. Um, he's, you know, he's saying he's happy playing his football at Palace, but that's all, all he can say. You know, I suppose that's one thing that you do wonder. Maybe these head has been turned elsewhere and he's just going through the motions. That's one thing that potentially would explain poor form, I guess. But uh, but who, we, we just we just don't know the answer to that question. Um, Jedi's got in touch earlier on as well, saying, what's the point in racket? Paid a loan fee, not even near a first-team place. Wasted space, wasted cash. Can't really say much else other than the only thing we can be doing with that signing is looking to the future. And trying to make a decision on a player we might want in the future. That's the only logical answer there. Could be most Chris, expensive trial. <laughs> yeah, but how? Because if you look around, I don't see him in the training videos. I know he played a couple of under-23 matches. He hasn't played a first-team match and won't, by the way. You can tell he's not going to play first-team. So we're yeah. going to base it just on training. It's a bit unfair on the, on the player to base it on training only because he's not playing. So to me, you learn about players when they play, not when they train. But anyway, that's just me. Yeah, well, I say this is the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I can say. Yeah, good point. Yeah, did you have an opinion on that? Um, no, another player that we—that's not even on the bench—is Yak. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, if he's worse than Damien Delaney, Damien's at an age where I don't think it's Premier League quality. If he's worse than Damien Delaney, I have no hope for him in the future. How is he not making a bench? I, so I'm actually really concerned that he can't get ahead of Damien Delaney. Again, I can only say that I don't think it's a coincidence that, that those two were signed together. Uh, I think that they are they were signed for for next season potentially in Rakip's case. Okay, that's that's only only thing that makes sense to me. Otherwise, yes, it's an absolutely bewildering pair of signings that you just you know have to stare open mouthed at. Otherwise, isn't it? Just go what? Because Chris. If we had a full squad, I could understand. Really, if everybody was fit, I could understand. You know, you would, but we've had so many injuries and they're not even on the bench like the y'all said. That makes no sense. No, no they, don't get, they don't get a look in at all. It's just frustrating as all heck. You know, don't, I don't get it. So a uh, question, and actually, Patrick, you can answer this one. This is from Peter Windsor. He says, is Roy clear of blame for this and United? I'm concerned about his in-game management when leading against the big teams. He tends to, bl- uh, he tends to blame the bench, but I'm not convinced. Yeah. I don't know what it is against us, and you know, Spurs, May United, um, obviously Liverpool. I don't know what. I, I'm not blaming Roy. I, I, I think Dio made a great point yesterday. I think Redevold for Kabai made a lot more sense at one-one than Loftus Cheek. It did mess up our shape. I still think Liverpool were going to score anyway. I just had a bad feeling, and I had a bad feeling against May United. I just don't. I think this team they're just they're just so good for us right now that as well as we play for X amount of minutes, you know it's going to come. You know, against, I mean, to me, the top three teams in the league are Man City, Spurs, and Man United. And, oh, sorry, Man City, Spurs, and Liverpool. And two of those scored late goals and beat us at home. So I don't think anything Manchester could do about that, but I could be wrong. Okay. Thank you very much indeed, Patrick. I think that's a pretty good way to answer that question. The uh, rest of these p- people are responding really to the fact that uh, are you confident that we're going to avoid relegation? And there seems to be a lot of confidence despite the overall feeling of negativity in a lot of the communication. So Eagles Kev says, thought we played well yesterday. Yep. Uh, Sohurst underlights, if we can play as well as against the rest as we, then we have a great chance. Stoke and Saints look likely to stay in the bottom three. The Huddersfield don't look like winning again. Uh, 
Uh, Team Slack, yes, Brighton will be relegated. That's lovely to hear. <laughs> uh, whether it's true or not, I do like hearing those words. Uh, Stephen Kingdom has said he's reasonably com- uh, confident. Leaving aside the manner of yesterday's defeat, we're always likely to lose. The other results have gone our way over the weekend. Uh, Alistair Watkins says, yes, playing as we are and pushing the top sides all the way illustrates we will be fine. Gapping class between us and Huddersfield the other week showed this. Lessons from this debacle must be learned, however, and change at the top is desperately needed before next season. Paul Ashby just says, not very. (laughs) Thanks, Paul. (laughs) Uh, Got a Brighton fan called Bennett's Field Money saying, sadly, you'll be completely fine. West Brom, Huddersfield, Stoke, Saints, Swansea, all worse than you and us for that matter. Still think you'll finish above us, actually. None of this applies if Zaha dies tomorrow. One man team. So it's got a dig in at the end there. Um, But you're right. We are better than you. Yeah. Uh, Mobster. Yep, he's confident, fairly happy that we'll stay up and get uh, West Brom, Stoke, Huddersfield to be relegated. Those are my three as well. Um, Lee Munden's agreeing with him. Uh, Need a proper transfer in the summer, though, to prevent a repeat. Toby Oliver-Reed, to be fair, in 2015-16, we lost to Liverpool at home after they went down to 10 men. So, oh, no, he's talking about the uh, decision for for Mane not being sent off, pointing out that we lost at home to 10 men. All right, Toby, that is true, but I'm going to choose to ignore that. Uh, the, 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 the rest of four world reviews Lee Bowman decent enough performance could have been better Wambazaka proving to be a real gem so agreeing with you there DR and I think oh, there you go David Cheeseman 100% confident we'll start played well enough unlucky in some respects with a couple of defensive errors which cost us we will get the points we need from the remaining games we will stay up and Mark Drew I think we will be okay but please don't put us through it next season. Comfortable top 10 would be great. We never, ever, ever are comfortable, are we, Patrick? It never happens. No, never. And I also want to say, I'm not I'm not, I'm not. not sure how I feel yet. I think the Bournemouth match this week is huge for me. I think if we don't win that match, get something out of it, then Brighton becomes an absolutely unbearable match. And I don't think I'll be around to see that. I'll have a heart attack. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> right. You and me both. Seriously. Um, just got another tweet in actually from Jedi there. He says the amount of people out of contract in the summer, do you trust the board will offer the money for Roy to rebuild? Uh, uh, it says, I think there's a t- typo there, but he's referring to the same time with the stone stadium redevelopment going to take money away from the first team purchase. Oh, or is it says all this, or is the stadium. Right. As I understand it, the stadium money is ring fence, so it shouldn't affect the budget. However, you know, you, you spend money in one place. It's, it's definitely not going to be available in an emergency in the other. So, uh, I don't even know if it's going to be Roy, <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, don't know if you know, if, you know, he might get to the end of this season and think, well, you know what, I kept Palace up. That's a nice way to sign off. Um, you know, you, you know, you just, you just don't know. Um, I think whatever happens, you know, the board will, will recognise the fact that we don't, we can't come this, run it this close again. But the the the, the bigger question is, is what do you do about that? How much money does it take to give that comfortable top ten that we all seem to want? You know, uh, it, it takes an awful lot of money these days. You know, the, the, you've got to ask: Do we have the resources? What happens if we lose Zaha? What you know? There's all these what ifs. Uh, difficult ones to answer. That uh, do are your views? You know, are the board going to back whoever the manager is in the summer? Is it is it a good chance to rebuild? We never have a pro- like a season without problems. So who knows? Literally, I. I if Roy, I can see Roy leaving. It's it, we're Palace. Every manager, Tony Pulis done it, Allardyce done it. I won't be surprised if Roy just calls it quit. Hopefully, he doesn't. But if he does stay, I think they will back him. Um, and if it, I backed Roy Hodgson in the summer, 
with the players he can bring in, if it, I think we can push to the top half of the table. Do you similarly confident, Jack? Yes. Um, you don't well, sound it, I'll be honest. Well, it's not really boring. I think, yeah, if, if Roy isn't going to... Um, if Roy isn't going to stay, and if he doesn't stay, then you know, fair enough. I wouldn't wouldn't hold it against him for leaving if he can keep us up. It'd be nice way for him to go out. But if he does go, we'll just have to make sure we get a manager a little bit quicker than we did last summer, and one that's going to stay a little bit longer. But it's Palace, so it won't be simple, will it? No, you won't. I've just seen the DR's written bring in Pulis, and I'm going to have to go and find him and kill him now. <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, I'm just going to sum this up really by saying. You know, I don't. As much as it was a disappointing way to lose a game, you know, I didn't really expect much more before it, and I and I was really heartened with the performance. I thought it was a good display. And we just consider ourselves very, very unlucky, and we move on. That's the last of the top six that we have to play. We're playing some good football, playing well, pushing everybody uh, that we play, uh, and we've got a run in where we can realistically get the two to three wins we need to be very, very comfortable about staying in, in this division. So there's every reason to go into the next few weeks feeling very, very positive. So I'm going to leave it there uh, and say uh, thank you very much to everyone that listens, to Sam for producing, to Patrick, to Jack and to DR for being my panel. Uh, do listen to the preview pod, subscribe in all the usual places and join us on Thursday evening, 7 till 9 on Love Sport. And we'll be back with a review show next week. See you later. Bye. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.